You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, we're Chris DeRosa and Dominic Pupa from Fixing Famous People. And Katie and Nathan wanted us to let you know that they use strong language in this show. So if that's not your thing, this isn't the show for you. But if you like Queen's podcast, then you'll love Fixing Famous People. It's the podcast where we, two veteran reality television producers, unpack the biggest celebrity scandals dominating entertainment news... And our lives. Every week we attempt to fix a new celebrity client by analyzing their missteps and each pitching a solution to return them to glory. You can find Fixing Famous People literally anywhere you find podcasts. Hi, this is Katie. And this is Nathan. And you're listening to Queen's Podcast, the show about badass women in history. Hey, Nathan. Hey, Katie. I am so excited about what we're about to do next. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We, so we're going to get into Catherine Howard Part 3. Nathan and I have already discussed that we might cry, and we're just going to have to accept it. We might cry. <laughs> yes, yes. So we welcome on this cry. journey with us. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but before we get started, we actually have a really fun thing to do first. Over on Patreon for our top tier Queen Mothers supporters, we are going to let them choose a couple of the queens that we're going to cover this month. And so I said, hey, if you're interested in participating, let us know. And we're going to put your name in a drawing. And we're about to draw the person who is going to pick a queen or two for season seven. So I cannot wait. I think this is so <laughs> fun. I don't know why we've never done this before. I'm really excited. So Nathan, we had 16 people say that they would like to participate. And I have a spreadsheet here with 16 names on it. Would you ask Siri to pick a number between one and 16? Yes, I will. Gladly. Ooh. Hey, Siri, pick a number between one and 16. She picked four. four. All right, we got Maggie. All right, Maggie, we will be sliding into your DMs over on Patreon soon. And I can't wait to see. I can't wait to hear who Maggie picks. I'm excited. So, Nathan, why don't you tell us where we last left Kay Howard? So she's the Queen of England and she's kind of crushing it. She's not trying to get like overly involved in politics, but she's still played her role in getting Thomas Wyatt out of prison, which made her very, very popular. Yes, but she's married to a man who's twice her age. And he doesn't always have the energy to keep up with her because he's also, I mean, he's twice her age, but he's also, he hasn't really taken care of himself, you know? Mm -hmm. He gets tired a lot. So sometimes she is left on her own quite often to host parties and social events. And because of that, 
Her new best friend, her new BFF, Lady Rochford, aka Jane Boleyn, has helped her start up a bit of a flirtation with her ex-boyfriend, Thomas Culpepper. Yeah, if you'll remember Thomas Culpepper, he's the one that like broke her heart previously. Mm. And you can also remember her other ex-boyfriend, Francis Durham. He managed to weasel his way into a job (laughs) at court as well. He's probably up there sleeping with all the milkmaids. Yeah. (laughs) One honey, one honey. (laughs) So yeah, when we last left Catherine, it was the spring. It was right around Easter. Remember they had to cancel like the Mardi Gras party and everything. Oh, yeah. But it seems like the illness that Henry VIII was suffering from has he's pretty much recovered from at this point. So that's great. But he's still laying a little bit lower than usual. So Catherine, kind of unsupervised has time to have this... She got a little bit loose with her flirtation with Thomas Culpepper. And they didn't do anything at this time because that would have been like major red flags, raged major eyebrows. But back then, flirting was just kind of a part of royal court. And I think she let herself get a little too attached again. And like we said in the last episode, something about sleeping with old sick (laughs) men makes your ex look really fucking hot. (laughs) And it was around this time, Thomas Culpepper got sick. And we have no idea from what, but Catherine wrote him a letter. And it's the only letter written in her hand that survives to this day. And we've talked about this on the show, how back in the day, people would often write it to each other in overly flowery language. So the modern day reader might think it seems a little bit romantic, but to them, that was just a style. But this letter is different. Mm-hmm. You would write to your sibling or your mother or your childhood best friend like that, but not some guy that works for your husband. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know what? We haven't done this part. We haven't done this segment in a while that I, we call Queen's Podcast Theater. Queen's Podcast Theater. <laughs> Acting. We're going to have Nathan do a dramatic reading of a few of the parts from this letter. It's not the letter in full because, uh, but yeah. And you let us know what you think. So Nathan, take it away. Master Culpepper, send me word how that you do. For I never long so much for a thing as I do to see you and to speak with you. Okay, that's not too incriminating. It's pretty flirty, but like we said, flirtation was a part of court life. And when your friend's been sick and you want to know how they're doing, and even having a cold back then was scary, so. It makes my heart die to think what fortune I have that I cannot be always in your company. Okay, it makes my heart die. That is, that, she is his employer, basically. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of intense. Okay, okay. Trusting to see you shortly again. And I... Would you was with me, now that you might see what pain I take in writing to you. Yours as long as life endures. Catherine. As long as life endures. That's the kind of the part that I that makes me go, huh. <laughs> what do you, what do you think? Yeah, right. Oh, what's that? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Okay, we're going from flirt zone to bone zone. Yes. Just like two seconds flat. It's literally like in the same letters. Oh, she's a little flirty. Oh, this is oh, intense. Yes. <laughs> I mean, this to me sounds like, and I'm trying to look at it through their contemporary lens, not a modern day lens, but it seems to me like she is emotionally attached to this person. What do you think? Yeah, it, it starts off innocent, but it gets more and more 
attached. So it seems like there's something more going on with this guy who just randomly works for your husband. (laughs) Right. It's more than a friendship is what it feels like. Yeah. If Thomas wrote back, we don't know. I think it is an interesting aspect that he kept the letter. So... Mm. Because it like if it was they were in a romantic relationship, it could be super incriminating if he found it. And as we know, Henry VIII is in his head chop era, you know. Chop, chop, chop. Chop, chop. <laughs> if he didn't destroy it, is it because he was love struck as well? Is mm-hmm. it because it was innocent? And hey, you keep mm-hmm. a letter if a queen writes you a letter. Or some people believe it might also be for like blackmail purposes. What do you think? Uh... I honestly think it it could be a, a mixture between, like, love struck and blackmail. Yeah. Like, oh, because, you know, there's people that are, like, so love struck that they're like, if you do this and you leave me, then I'm going to Good. bring this Show up. everybody. But, yeah. Yeah. But I think there has to be some, like, to keep that meant that he had some emotional attachment so to it. Something right? that I learned while doing this research Thomas Culpepper lost both of his parents this year, the same year. So it oh, could wow. also be that he's feeling he was just overly sentimental at this point in his life as well. I don't know. We'll never know. Huh. We'll never fucking know, but it's fun to speculate. <laughs> <laughs> but what we do know is that things get messy. messy. <laughs> this is probably going to be like the messiest Messerson episode that we've ever done. Except for the Messalina episode. Messalina yeah. was somehow the messiest, but this is definitely... It was in her name. Yeah. It was in her name. She was <laughs> destined to be messy. But Catherine is right up next to Yo. her with this this shit. So spoiler alert. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know what? Before we get into the mess, let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and top off our drinks. Hear a word from our sponsors so we can mentally prepare ourselves. Oh gosh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. Hey, y'all, spooky season is here. And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history, then I'd like to invite you to check out Southern Gothic, a chart-topping history podcast that explores some of the most infamous legends, folklore, ghost stories, and hauntings of the American South. We've covered all sorts of stuff from the Bell Witch of Tennessee to the disappearance of the Confederate submarine, the H.L. Hunley. Not to mention our deep dives into the local lore of some of America's oldest and most haunted cities like New Orleans, Charleston, and St. Augustine. So if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic 
today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps. And we're back. Cool. Nathan, what are you drinking today? We didn't talk about that up at the top. What are you drinking? I have some Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand that I'm going to crack open a little bit How later, did you get so. Why do you have New Zealand wine? I didn't go to New Zealand. I just went to Utah and got COVID. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've both had the plague this year. Look at us. Look at us being so serious about history. Yay. <laughs> Speaking of road trips. <laughs> We're going to go on a road trip, Tudor fashion. Yes. So it's the summer of 1541. The Tudor court was going to go on progress to the north of England. And this is like the first time ever big fucking during deal. Henry VIII's reign. Yes. yes. Yeah. And we've talked about royal progress on this show before. The royal family will all get in their carriages, get on their horses, and go visit other parts of England mm-hmm. that they don't live in, it gives the people a chance to see them and show representation. And it's just, yeah, it's just a thing that kings and queens do so the people know who they are, basically. And it's a it's a big fucking deal for a few reasons. So for Catherine, it was huge because she's never traveled before yeah. anywhere, really, because she's really only lived in London and surrounding areas. So this is her first time to experience the world, quote unquote, like she's just literally going around the country. But for me, it's like, <clears throat> if I go to Mexico, I'm like, whoa, like, imagine that feeling. For yeah. her. Like, oh, my gosh, there's a big world around me that I never knew about. She's never, yeah, um, she's she's, never going anywhere. She's meeting new people. Yeah, she's meeting new people. She's going new places. She gets a whole new wardrobe. Yes, please. Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) But besides Catherine, it was also just a big deal for the country. We've talked about on this show before the Pilgrimage of Grace. I think we did a Patreon episode about it. Mm-hmm. But Nathan, give us the give us a TLDR on the Pilgr- Pilgrimage of Grace for anyone that doesn't know. <sighs> Okay, so Henry VIII, like, travels around the country, and he's like, hey, bro, those Catholics are real crazy with their bread and wine. They think it's the body and blood of not Christ. That's it. that's crazy. They won't let me and divorce my first wife like, either. Yeah, so we're not them. into that either. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let's close down all the monasteries. <laughs> and the people in the northern part of England said, the fuck we are. And they did this whole revolution about it called the pilgrimage of yes. grace hence why i'm going down this <laughs> hole and it went very poorly for them and ever since henry was looked you know looked at the people in the north with a little bit of suspicion yeah, yeah. you're suspicious i think also <laughs> there's a bit of a game of thrones tie in there i think the reason that because we know George R. R. Martin pulls from real history. So I think that's a reason why it's always been like in Game of yes. Thrones that the North was like a little bit different because of the divide in the country. Anyway, reel it in, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> so th- every time, every time Game of Thrones somehow makes it into an episode, like it makes me think that maybe one day we can just do a Patreon series on how certain events in Game of Thrones were inspired by historical events. Why haven't we? If you could see Katie's. <laughs> why haven't we? We've done like one or two episodes that kind of about like Game of Thrones. Why, why don't we just. Okay, let's circle back to this later. Anyway. <laughs> but no. So yeah, ever since. That was like maybe five or six years prior. But ever since, Henry VIII has been looking at the North like really like suspiciously. Like, what you doing? What the fuck are y'all what up you doing to? Over yes. There? And so the fact that he was now specifically going to the North on progress 
it was it served two purposes it was a bit of an olive branch from the royal family Mm. we're getting over it we're forgiving you but it was also a chance for the people in the north to seriously kiss Henry's ass, which he was a fan of. <laughs> like he Oh, you mean that. our dear narcissist doesn't love a good ass kissing. Mm. Um <laughs> and on June 30th, the whole damn court loads off or loads up and sets off. So, how do we think Catherine felt about this? Cuz you know, they're going on the road, which sounds fun, but it's for 4 months. 4 months. And like they didn't have Travel back then was not something that was like easy to do. You know, if you're on a road trip now for four months, you're probably four months. You're probably in like a you know a camper, an RV or something. This is this is this is different. I bet she had like a mix of emotions. You know, excited to see the world or other parts of England, but because Henry VIII, I don't think had ever even been to the north either, which also is annoying because he's been to France, but he's never been to parts of his own country. God, go figure. France and England always, always watching each other. Yeah, they <laughs> uh, they love the kings of France and England love waving their dicks at each other. Anyway, nope. Nathan, <laughs> what would have been like expected of Catherine on this trip? Lots of schmoozing mm-hmm. with lords and foreign diplomats. And we already know that Catherine plays the part of this pious, dutiful queen. She's like Catherine of Aragon's knockoff. <laughs> so I, I, I don't think she was too stressed about the situation. No, I think she was probably more excited than anything. So mm-hmm. now we know what she'll be doing. She'll be schmoozing. She'll be visiting diplomats. She'll be rubbing elbows. She'll be making public appearances. Cool. Got it under wrap. Who all goes on royal progress? Oh, so literally everyone (laughs) (laughs) except a few people but namely her stepdaughter proud mary she she wouldn't have been excited about that (laughs) i imagine they kept their (laughs) distance from each other yeah but all of her ladies in waiting would have gone with her so that's another thing and it's not believed that her ex francis durham dumbass (laughs) uh he didn't go on progress with her but her other ex Thomas Mm -hmm. Culpepper definitely did since he was one of Henry's favorite courtiers because he was handsome and funny. Like, oh my God, you remind me so much of myself. (laughs) Oh, you mean like 20 years ago? All right, buddy. (laughs) All right, little buddy. All right, little buddy. So, unsurprisingly, because everything we've learned about Catherine is she was a fucking hit on progress. Knocked it out of the court. 10 out of 10. No notes. She's beautiful. She's dutiful. The people love her. She and Henry wore got these outfits that they would wear to a lot of the really important events. And Henry was from head to toe in gold. And she was from head to toe in silver. Ooh. And Ooh. I know. And everyone was just like, good God, she's beautiful. And I think Henry maybe even got a little bit jealous. Being like, no one's saying I look beautiful. But... <laughs> 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 That's because you're not stanky leg going home. But I bet he, like, even though it, maybe he wouldn't have been, like, considered beautiful, I bet he was still, like, really striking looking, head to toe in gold. Yes, yes, yes. And why Why does the man in gold and the woman's in silver? Gold is first place, so Oh, place. I get what like, you're saying. I get what I'm you're saying. Oh, but I bet gross. everybody was just like, good God, this woman is beautiful. And she was just like, mm, little man. Yeah. <laughs> She she was one of those people that was like, mm, I, know. I know. Well, I mean, how she, how could she not? Beautiful people know they're beautiful because people have been telling people have been telling her she's beautiful since she was a child, you know. So, yeah. but anyway, that was a complete sidetrack. The people loved her. She was beautiful. She was dutiful. 
<laughs> beautiful and beautiful. Beautiful and beautiful. <laughs> but it was a lot of traveling, which even by modern day uh-huh. standards, taking a 10 hour flight is exhausting. They're making every day, every third day or something, five hour trips via horse and buggy. <laughs> so the king, after traveling and after having public engagements all day, he's fucking tired. And can you blame him? Yeah, he's getting up there in age, especially for 1541 standards. Uh, His staggy leg isn't doing any better, so it's constantly hurting him. He's grumpy AF. After their official duties, he'd go to bed and she'd be left on her own for the rest of the night. The court didn't go to bed just because the king went to bed. You know what I mean? Yeah, when the mice are away, the... Wait, when the... When, when the, the cat's, cat's away, away the mice are I tried. tried. I tried. Well, I, think, I think Henry knew they were all staying up and partying, and he was just like, I, I just, I can't. Which, also, relatable. When he would go to bed early, it would kind of be up to Catherine to kind of be the hostess. Because we have all these people that are expecting somebody from the royal family to mm-hmm. be there. And it seems like pretty early on in the summer of this progress in 1541, Catherine said to her ride or die, Jane Boleyn, I want to talk to Thomas Culpepper alone. I want to, I want a meeting with him alone. Can you make that happen? And it seems like they tried to make this meeting happen a few times, but y'all, you have to be fucking careful because this is Tudor court and gossip, gossip, gossip. is currency. Yes. Literally. People have their eyes and ears open because that's going to advance their position at court Mm -hmm. if they have the hottest gossip. In fact, there's a story of Lady Rochford scolding Catherine being like, you have to be more careful. Because she ended up sending a letter that was unsealed <laughs> through a messenger, which no one thought much of it, but uh, until later, <laughs> don't, don't, Google don't Google it. it. <laughs> Again, like we've talked about so many times in this series, she just wasn't schooled. Do you think Anne Boleyn, do you think Catherine of Aragon would have ever sent a letter unsealed? Oh, fuck no. Fuck no. <laughs> she just was never, she didn't have the right education for the job she got. Ugh, no. Bless her. So finally, one day, they've been trying to make this secret meeting happen for a while. One day they end up at these lodgings while they're in progress. Because what it would happen is when you're on royal progress, people with castles basically like kick their entire family out so the king and queen and their hundreds of people can come stay with them. So one day they end up at a lodging where Jane Boleyn, Lady Rochford, has her own room. So we don't really have time to go into the the hierarchy of ladies in waiting. But since Jane Boleyn, because Jane Boleyn was like 36 at this point, Catherine Howard is like maybe 18, 19-ish. So all her ladies in waiting were kind of the same age. So because she was a little bit older and because she was a widow, she'd been married before, she has a, she's just a little bit higher in the ranks. So if there was a room, like if there happened to be an extra room connected to the queen's lodgings, it would go to the most senior lady in waiting, which was Jane Boleyn. And she had a back door to her room. She had, <laughs> it was it was a back door with a staircase that was secret that someone could enter from without everyone in court knowing. So Thomas Culpepper entered her back door stairway to heaven. <laughs> and he's climbing a stairway to heaven. <laughs> Here comes Thomas Culpepper. And the story as we know it is that basically Jane gave them the room and slept in the hallway. Mm -hmm. So both Catherine and Thomas swear that they had stayed up 
talking <laughs> until the sun came up. Um, <clears throat> okay, I just can't. But <laughs> Jane said she never asked what happened, but she just kind of assumed that they had sex at night because I would too. Let's <laughs> discuss this. Let's dissect this. Because on one hand, okay. I don't know about you, but for me, like when me and my husband first met, we would stay up all night talking. So I believe mm-hmm. that... I mean, what do you think? Have you ever just stayed up all night talking and nothing? No. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. No, no, no. That's, that's common because you're like getting to know yeah. you. Yeah. Getting to know all about you. That that whole thing. Yeah, sure. And just when you're so in love with somebody in those early stages, it's, yeah, I want to know, I want to know your favorite color. I want to know your favorite song. I want to, you know, and so I don't disbelieve that they could have stayed up all night just talking. Also, her and Jane Boleyn were so close. They were thick as fucking thieves. Wouldn't she have told? She would have known. Yeah, wouldn't she? Yeah, yeah. Also, also, like, from Catherine Howard's perspective, you just saw Anne Boleyn get her head chopped off. Her first cousin. cheating. Not even. Yeah. For, and and no one actually have, believed have, that Anne Boleyn cheated, though. But No, but I mean, still, that was the narrative. So if you were to cheat yeah. on the king, you're going to get killed. So that also is in Catherine Howard's corner yeah. she would have known that if word would have gotten out she would have been killed immediately so I, I think she may have taken it a little more cautiously and sure did they make out and maybe have a handy here or there possibly but was there anything like sexual intercourse so no, what i i don't know and i don't know i don't I go back and forth. I flip back and forth on did Catherine Howard actually have sex with Thomas Culpepper conversation. I think that they discussed Okay, you're a teenager. The king is in his 50s. You're obviously going to outlive the king. I think they discussed, yeah. well, we, what are we going to do after the king dies? I think that's what they discussed. Yes, and that, that makes, that that's fair. That's totally fair. But if you'll remember from the Anne Boleyn episode in the whole Anne Boleyn thing, she said to this other guy being like, I think you plan to fill dead men's shoes, which means I think you're trying to make a move on me after the king dies. And that was incriminating because to even mention the death of the king was treason. Okay, so we're uh, not going to solve it, but I just think that's inter- that's uh, something we should remember for later on. Yeah. So either way, there were several times during this progress where they got to have all these night nighttime meetups, and one of them was in Catherine's personal toilet area, basically, <laughs> which isn't quite what we think of as a bathroom, but still, it's not, not super romantic. Her bathroom yeah. is like the size of a studio apartment, and then it's got like the toilet in the separate area. That's kind of like what this is, is that like, it's her quote-unquote toilet because the toilet is in there but it's also got plenty of other space so they're not maybe hooking up on a toilet (laughs) (laughs) but anyway no that's this is important to mention though because do you remember we talked about are you okay (laughs) i'm just thinking that Catherine howard has in that area it's like for a good time call Catherine, (laughs) like on a bathroom stall (laughs) yes absolutely she has to this is important to note because do you remember last episode we talked about her lady in waiting from when she was with the Dowager Duchess Joan Ackworth? Like she had hired her. Yes, 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 yes. Joan, I guess at one point Catherine was like, I'm going to the bathroom. And Joan was like, Oh, let me come assist you. Because that would have been like the normal thing. And she's like, No, I, I don't want you to assist me. And so Joan was like, Well, it's my job. So Joan stayed in the hallway all waiting for Catherine to come out of the bathroom and fell asleep in the hallway and woke up at like 3 a.m. and was like, My lady, are you okay? And, <laughs> and Catherine yeah. was like, Go to bed. Blah. And she was just like, what <laughs> is happening? And that's just, it just shows you that these people were not good at being sneaky. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and about halfway through her trip, all her ladies-in-waiting were suspicious. Mm-hmm. And, but bitches get stitches, so no one Snitches get stitches safe. also. <laughs> <laughs> the same. 
mean, bitches <laughs> might. Bitches get stitched. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, wait. They might. So about half... <laughs> About halfway through her trip, all her ladies-in-waiting were suspicious, Mm -hmm. but snitches get stitches. So no one was going to say or ask about anything until one of her ladies-in-waiting was helping her pack up her stuff to head back to London. And she saw Catherine just staring out the window lovingly. And when the lady-in-waiting looks out the window, she sees Thomas Culpepper staring lovingly back at the queen. <laughs> the drama. They gotta be more careful. <laughs> no, with Henry VIII walking around, bitches. <laughs> Henry VIII just was like such a minor character in this story. I know, I know. <laughs> that lady-in-waiting, later when she was interrogated, she said of this event, she said, I saw her looking at him in such a way that I thought there was love between them. Which I'm just like... Sweet baby child, be more careful. What do you do? <laughs> right. Oh, but she was so in love that she just, I mean, love makes you do dumb things. But I do also kind of feel like when the stakes are that high. But also she was so young that she, I, oh, yeah. she needed, she needed someone better in her corner than, because the only person that's helping her is Jane Seymour or Jane Seymour, Jesus Christ, Jane Boleyn. <laughs> And that woman was was the hot mess express as well. Yeah. So okay, let's let's take a quick second and fast forward. They're back in mm-hmm. London, and maybe let's give a heads up here because everything from here on out is messy, messalina. Messalina, messy. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the timeline is Messalina messy. <laughs> there's a whole lot of characters that are Messalina messy. Um, there's a whole lot of moving pieces here, guys. So we're going to try to keep this as cohesive as possible. But you've been you've warned. You've been warned. So Catherine Howard is at like her peak popularity because she crushed this royal progress. No mm-hmm. notes, no crumbs. She ate it. However, our girl has reasons to be anxious now that she's back at home and we know she struggles with managing her anxiety that's been that's like a huge part of her personality first off it's a lot harder for her to see her ex boothing back current boothing like yeah yeah current boothing and jane boleyn is a lot more hesitant to help her now (laughs) because she's like girl that road trip that was a thing it was just a fling it's too dangerous here but she also couldn't say no when the queen, you know, to the queen when Catherine was just so in love. Well, because I get where Jane Seymour's coming from because, like, in these castles that the royal court doesn't have, like, it's a castle that probably nobody in their group of people that traveled there have ever been to before. So they don't know that this one room has back stairs, you know? They don't know about the stairway to heaven. <laughs> the back door stairway The back door stairway to heaven. <laughs> but... At Hampton Court Palace, at Greenwich Palace, people know all the secret passageways. They know. So it's just like, girlfriend, no, that was a that was a road trip fling. What are you doing? You know? Mm-hmm. And then another reason to be anxious, this fucking guy. This Ugh. fucking guy. Problematic ex Francis Derham. What was it in the last episode that the writer said that he had like the emotional stability of a toddler or something? Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> when they get back from progress, he's like I I want a better job. I want more responsibilities in the inner circle. I just want a better job. We have no idea what his job was before. And so she's like, fine, because she just wants it to go away. So she gives him, like, I think he's like 
a groom of the chamber. I don't fucking know. She gives him a job where he has a bit more visibility at royal court now. But you remember how he's a fucking idiot? So... <laughs> yeah, so Durham starts bragging to everyone who will listen about how much the queen loves him. You know, he's like, I've known the queen longer than any of y'all. Her family loves me. They owe me for keeping their secrets. Okay. Uh, Dude, what uh, the fuck? What? <laughs> And Catherine couldn't do anything to stop him from running that fat-ass mouth. People are whispering like, okay, what secrets is he talking about? Who is Who this guy? Who is this guy? I hate this man so much. So we need to we need to switch gears a little bit. This is part of it where I'm like, new characters, a little bit messy. We're going to make this as cohesive as possible for you, though. So we need to switch gears a little bit. We're going to meet another character. So there's this dude named Thomas Cranmer. If you're into Tudor history, you already know who this is. He is a very, very high-ranking dude at court. He was a holy man, very into the Reformation. So he's like not Catholic, not Protestant, but eh. But it's one of Henry's favorite dudes. And it's also worth noting, since he was into the Reformation and Protestant leaning, the Howard family was a little bit old school. So they were into like Catholic leanings. So some people do have the argument that uh, he, Thomas Cranmer, wanted to see Catherine Howard's downfall because he was Protestant and they were Catholic. It's a it's a rabbit hole. I don't we, we just don't have time for. Yeah. Just keep that in mind. Also, if you you know want to put on your tinfoil hat. Yeah. So one day there was this dude named John that he knew that was like, hey, I really need to talk to you. And Cranmer's like, hey, what's up? And this John guy's like, I don't really know how to say this, but my sister told me something that I feel like I have to tell someone about. Yeah, so this this guy, John's sister, is a woman named Mary. And Mary used to work at the house of the Dowager Duchess of Norfolk, so where Catherine grew up. And mm-hmm. Mary was looking for a job, and John was like, why don't you just go work for the queen? I've heard she's hired several people that used to work at the Dowager Duchess's house. Just go just go work for the queen. I know Thomas Cranmer. I can get you in. And he was, Mary was like, no, I'm not doing it. Hard no. <laughs> and and John is like, okay, that's, that's weird. Why, why not? Like, why not? And Mary said something to the effect of, oh, that poor girl was not raised right. She has no morals. And then she goes into this story about Catherine's first boyfriend, Henry Mannix. And he had once bragged, to Mary about seeing a birthmark that Catherine had somewhere in her nether regions, uh, which Mary had seen that birthmark when she was changing her. So maybe it was on her butt or something. Yeah, I don't know. Like maybe like her upper thigh. Somewhere that you wouldn't. Somewhere that. Oh, I mean, I mean, this is the 16th century, and so women were so covered up that you wouldn't. It could have been just. Yeah, it could have been her. Belly it could have been her shoulder. <laughs> yeah, but. but still enough for this mary chick to be like this guy's bragging about sleeping with Catherine howard and then she sees the birthmark and she's like fuck i guess it's right you know or not sleeping with but like having an inappropriate something's going on something is going on so then this the john guy just presses his sister being like what why what what are you talking about and she just spills the beans she's like well, first she fucked around with her music teacher and then she actually slept with this guy named francis Derham. The way it sounds to me, it doesn't sound like Mary. Mary was obviously judging this person, uh, judging Catherine a little bit, but it also sounds like it came from a place of pity. 
Because just like, she was just like that poor girl. But also I don't want to work for her because she's a slut. But then, and it also, but like she's kept this secret for so long. She could have used this information that she knew the day Catherine became queen to like get something. But it just, so what I'm getting at is I don't think that this, this woman in any way, shape or form hoped that she was setting off. Was being the, malicious. Yeah. I don't think she was, ho- I think she was just like, oh my God, I have the secret. Finally, let me tell you about it, you know. And what do you think Cranmer did with this information? Because he can't not tell Henry. Yeah. But he also doesn't want to tell him because the king's in this stanky leg era. Delicate health, And, yeah. you know, chop, chop, chop head era. Mm-hmm. And he writes him a letter and leaves it for the king to find after church one day. Because let's, let's talk about that, though. Because let's say he decided to ignore this. And then Henry finds out some other way about these rumors. And then somebody's yeah. like, well, I told Thomas Cranmer, you know. You're donezos, brother. If the, yeah, <laughs> so I get this guy because I don't know. I don't know enough about Thomas Cranmer to say one way or the other, but he seems like a kind of decent guy. But so I don't think he necessarily wanted the fall of this child bride, but it was sort of like, well, if I don't tell him and someone else does, it's my fucking head. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Thomas Cranmer ends up telling Henry and to everyone's surprise, Henry laughs it off at first. He's like, no, no, no. This is dumb. Catherine? Really, Catherine, my precious little perfect piece of arm candy that everyone loves? You're saying she hooked up with two guys before she met me? No way. No way. Don't believe it. Fake but news. why don't we go ahead and just like, why don't we just look into it a little bit, right? At least there may be something to the rumor, so let's just look into yeah, it. Yeah, he's like, I don't believe it, but let's just investigate just in case. Um, but he didn't tell Catherine that he found the letter. Which I feel like, I feel like probably most people agree with me. Your spouse is supposed to be your partner. Yeah. So if I heard a rumor about my husband, the first thing I would do is be like, hey, I heard this. What, what do you want to say about it? Do you know what I mean? So it's just like, he obviously did not view her as a partner, which I hate. So he didn't didn't tell her. He he said, I don't want to upset her, but it's like. Dude, bro. And then Kramer goes to Henry Mannix's house the next day and he's married now and maybe he has some kids and he confesses. Everything. I mean, if Henry's in like, his head like, chop era and Henry's dudes show up, you tell the truth. Yeah, he's like, yep, totally had inappropriate relationships with her, but we never boned. We never went to bone zone. We bump butts. And I swear to God, I haven't, uh, we haven't bumped butts. I haven't seen her in years. I haven't wrote her. I haven't tried to get in touch with her. Nothing. I'm not a fucking idiot like Francis Durham. And they're like, why is Francis Durham a fucking idiot? What do you mean by that? And he's like, well, he used his relationship his past relationship with Catherine Howard to get a job at court Cranmer didn't know I'm and they're like oh gosh what oh uh... I mean Catherine had <laughs> this is like the Catherine had a hundred people or more in her staff so like they didn't know every single person and she had given Francis Darum a really low job so Cranmer's like let me get this right let me before I go back to Hampton Court Palace and process all this. Let me let me get this right. The queen's ex-boyfriend, who she has actually slept with, works for her. And Mannix was like, "Yeah." Mannix was like, "I thought you <laughs> He's knew." Like, uh, and then, but Mannix is really smart to sing like a bird, yes. sing like a canary, because he shared so many details and was so honest that they believed him. And luckily for him, he was kind of left alone after this. And this is the last that we hear from him. He had no punishment, no no chop chop era. They were like, they're like, you were honest with us. You never actually slept with her. Um, we see you have wife and kids now, and you gave us such a juicy lead. They basically forgot he existed. Which, whoo, mm-hmm. you know what? 
good for him. I mean, not good. Uh, like, I don't think he's a good guy because he was fucking around with a teenager, uh, fucking around with a child. Um, but you know what? He didn't get his head cut off. What a luxury it is to just die in obscurity back in this day. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's like, okay, you're, you're fine, Mr. Mannix, but we got to find this Durham guy. So they questioned Durham the next day. And guess what? <laughs> he also spilled the beans. He said, yep. I knew the queen carnally lots and lots of times. <laughs> but, you know, she wasn't queen at the time. Like, they weren't married. So what, what difference does it make? And premarital sex was not an executionable offense back then. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Darum is detained, but quietly. Because no one wanted Catherine to know what was happening. Which is so fucked up. So they questioned everyone at court that knew Catherine before she was queen. And that was about, like, nine or ten people or something. And all of them told the same story. And they specifically, purposely, questioned them all separately. But they were like, all these people are coming back with the exact same story. We don't think they're lying. You know? Yeah. And on on November 6th, 1541, Cranmer and his team bring this story to the king. Like, we're so sorry to tell you that we absolutely have no doubt in our minds that Catherine had two boyfriends before she knew you. And one of them, she went to Bone Zone bumping butts all the way May. Stairway to heaven. And she stairway to heaven. Stairway <laughs> back door, stairway to heaven. It's even worse, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. And that dude lives here at court because she hired him to work for her. It's not oh. a good look. They say that Henry wept like a baby. Which I have two things to say about this. One, okay, dude, you know what? You weren't a virgin when you married her either what kind of fragile dick energy is that that it's like my wife knew other guy like okay (laughs) so did you okay buddy the other thing i want to say that i think is interesting that also proves that the anne boleyn thing was a fucking joke is that there's no so there's this story that's been written down of henry VIII's genuine reaction when he found out that his wife had slept with other people before and he wept there's nothing even kind of like that anne boleyn because it was all fucking made up and um that's all i have to say about that katie feels some kind of way about anne boleyn spoiler alert (laughs) the queen's podcast um (laughs) so they decide they're like we're gonna keep catherine in her rooms she can't go anywhere now and she's confined to her rooms but not told why so we know our girl had some anxiety problems so she's anxious as hell wouldn't you be and yeah, uh, like they kept her in a room for two weeks. I, I've been in quarantine for one and I'm already going crazy. And I know why I'm in quarantine. Exactly. She didn't. <laughs> and it's two weeks. Oh. So you'd be crazy not to be anxious. I would be throwing up with my anxiety. I'm just, I just imagine it like, because when I'm anxious, I feel like my stomach is trying to eat itself. And I would just be like, Ugh. oh, poor baby. Cranmer went to question her grandmother, her step-grandmother, the Dowager Duchess. He told the Dowager Duchess, like, hey, Henry is going to divorce Catherine. And Agnes, the Dowager Duchess, was like, okay, are y'all going to send her back here? Are y'all going to send her to a nunnery? What are the next steps? And he said, we don't know yet. But Agnes was like, okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and prepare some rooms for her in case she gets sent back here. And notice how at this point, there's no talk about the death penalty. Mm Because everyone thinks it's sketchy as shit that she hired her ex, but no one is accusing her of cheating on the king. (laughs) Until they did. Until (laughs) they did. All right, shit's about to get real, real. I'm probably going to cry. So I'm going to have to take a break and top off my drink. We will be right back. I I suggest you do too. (laughs) Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. 
And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. Hello, everyone. You may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Brenna, and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore all of the weird little questions and conspiracies of the universe in our new podcast, Mystery of Everything. Everything has an explanation. We hope. But that is what we're here to figure out. We will dive into the science behind many popular conspiracy theories, such as vaccines causing autism, flat earth theory, and was the moon landing fake? And if so, why the heck would anyone even do that? But it's not just conspiracies. There's a lot of cool mysteries that we will attempt to use science to explain, such as near-death experiences, what made the Vikings go berserk, and can I control my co-host with MK Ultra? Wait, what? <laughs> anyway, make sure to check out the Mischief Everything podcast everywhere where you find your podcasts. We're back. <laughs> I say that with a question mark because it's not going to get pretty, no, guys. Nothing gets um, more fun. Yeah. Finally, Thomas Cranmer goes to Catherine and tells her what's going on. So there's this story that when he told her, she broke free from her room, ran down the halls of Hampton Court Palace, trying to find Henry to beg him to talk to her. In fact, people say that they see her ghost still doing this. Mm -hmm. Okay, we have no idea if this is true or not, but this is totally going to be a Patreon episode. I think that would be a lot of fun, uh, like the ghost, uh, yeah. especially because it's spooky season now. Yes, ghost. the ghost of Hampton Court. <laughs> <laughs> but what we do know is Cranmer was like, we need you to give an official confession. And she does, in which she admits that she did have sex with Darum, and then she is officially stripped of her title as queen. But again, we just, at this point, we have no idea what their plans for her were. Again, they were not talking about executing her. It was, is she going to go to an abbey? Is she going to live in the Tower of London for the rest of her life? Like, we don't know. But no one's talking execution. Until it was decided that they should just have some casual torture. Do a little bit of torture. Francis yeah. You know. He's not from a no noble family. If you're from a noble family, you don't get tortured. He's from a plain Jane family, so like, but it, may as well torture him. Could be fun. Yeah, let's see if he left anything yeah. out. Yeah, and that's when he said, no, she didn't want to sleep with me any more than she wants to sleep with Thomas Culpepper. Mm-hmm. And they were like, excuse me, what? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, just ask Lady Richford, Rochford. <laughs> yeah, he was, they were like, um, Thomas Culpepper, the king's, like, favorite little guy what and so they go to late they go to jane boleyn they go to lady rochford and she folds like a house of cards which is so fucked up because at the like when this all started going down lady rochford had told catherine they are gonna have to tie me up to wild horses to get me to tell them anything there were no wild horses there was just literally liza minnelli liza, liza minnelli <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, she folds like a house of cards. She's like telling them dates. She's telling them places. She's like, yeah, I let them hook up here. I let them hook up here. I stood watch on the back door stairway to heaven. Like, yes, 100%. <laughs> she just sang like a bird. And she even's like, yep, they had sex in my, my room yeah. while on Royal Progress. And in the meantime, though, they still aren't talking execution. Catherine has moved to an abbey. She never sees any of these men again. And she doesn't realize that anyone even knows about this affair that she had with Culpepper. Which again, despite if you believed that they were actually sleeping together, she was at least having an emotional affair. Right, right. Um, Again, Catherine is in such a horrible mental state that they remove anything from her rooms at the Abbey that they think she could hurt herself with. Because they are just like, this this bitch is not well. Which, ugh, poor baby. Uh, Poor baby. Yeah. Speaking of losing your mind, um, <laughs> Jane Boleyn, Jane Boleyn has completely lost touch with reality. Yeah. Like back in the day, they would have said that she went mad and it's debated if she was faking it or not, because back then there was a law that you couldn't execute a mad person. In fact, I think that's still a law today. Is it? Yeah. Like I think. Oh, I guess that's why people always plead insanity. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Henry VIII was like, well, Let's get her better doctors. Get her the best care that we can get so that I can have her executed. He sent his own personal doctor to care for her. Wow. So that she could then get better and get executed. Cool guy. What a cool douche. guy. Oh. He then, when it seems like she's not getting better, which there's actually people wonder if she was actually quote unquote mad or if she was faking it because she knew about this law. But then after a minute when he, she's not getting better immediately, he actually creates a new law. That is like, you know what? Actually, you you can execute the mentally insane. LOL. Uh, what a fun time. Everyone at, <laughs> yeah, fun and sexy time. Everyone at court was questioned. And all of Catherine's ladies-in-waiting were like, I never saw anything inappropriate happen. But I suspect. Remember the glance the I saw love in between them? They were like, I suspected there was something going on there. Yeah. And Catherine has been at the Abbey for a couple of weeks. And... Cranmer and her uncle, the Duke of Norfolk, show up and are like, hey, so just, just spill the beans. Tell us about this relationship with Thomas Culpepper. And my heart just drops imagining myself in her place. Like, they had found the letter she had wrote to him when he was sick. So she was like, oh, God, the jig is up. (laughs) To the day of their deaths, neither Catherine nor Culpepper ever admit to actually having sex with each other. they But they admit to an emotional affair, like we talked about earlier. And Thomas said that he hoped that one day he'd sleep with her. The people told her that whenever he said that, the questioners told him that is already a crime to like think about one day sleeping with her. Uh, it's, yeah, they're getting the emotional it's like thought cheating. police. Like this is what this is. A, yes, it's like the thought police, the emotional cheating. So Thomas Culpepper and Francis Sturm were put on trial and executed on December 10th of 1541. <sighs> so that's how fast all this moved. Yeah. This started on November 6th and a little over a month later, her two exes were dead. Oh my God. Thomas Culpepper beheaded so he's lucky (laughs) durham was hung and drawn and quartered so not so lucky 
I mean, I feel bad for him because, oh my God, what a horrible way to go. But also, I can't feel sorry for this guy because he, it's this fucking guy. He's such an <laughs> idiot. God damn it. Yeah. If you don't know what hung, drawn, and quartered is, we're not going to explain it to you here, but you can Google it. And, or not. Or not. <laughs> God damn it. What a horrible fucking way to go. But yeah, but he also, why even ask for a job? Anyway, I'm going to have to move on. Otherwise, it's just going to be me yelling about this guy for a while. So (laughs) I think it is so fucked up that Henry just completely removed himself from the talk of what do we do with Catherine Howard when it comes to public. I'm sure he was still pulling the strings in the background. Again, we talked about in the last episode, Henry VIII only has so many moves and he just does them over and over because he did the same thing with the Anne Boleyn trial. He just completely removed himself from public view, even though he was pulling the strings in the background. But unlike Anne Boleyn, Catherine Howard didn't have a trial. It's unclear if she elected to not have a trial or if she was not given an option to have a trial. Um, I I kind of feel like she saw the writing on the wall. Yeah, she knew it was going to happen. So, yeah. yeah, this this breaks my heart. Because at the Abbey, one of the women who was attending on her overheard her praying out loud. And she asked God to grant her one favor. For her execution to not be public. <sighs> I Cause she would... hate it here. I, oh, oh. <sighs> this is not a fun time. It's not a fun time. <laughs> 14 members of her family and their staff were put into the Tower of London. And everyone assumed were also going to be executed. One of those was the Dowager Duchess, her step-grandmother. But they hadn't broken any laws. So people in the court were like, okay, um, you do you. But what are they being held for? And so Henry VIII created a brand new law. That said that it is illegal to withhold information that you know about someone that the King of England is thinking about marrying. Which is so specific. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And eventually all those people were let go. But damn. I bet the Dowager Duchess was like shit in her fancy panties. Oh, (laughs) for sure. So the day that that new law was passed... Henry actually threw a big party to LOL. I'm single and I'm going to kill all these Howard people. I don't know, but he, it said that he was flirting with all the women at this new, this party Uh... after all of Catherine's family was thrown into jail so hard that it was obvious that he was like scouting out his next wife. And Uh... if he was thinking about Catherine at all, I feel like he did that on part. I think he was probably thinking about Catherine hard, um, but he yeah. didn't want it. It was a distraction. He, yeah. It was like, a, you know, magicians when they're like doing a trick. It's like, look over there. And then they, you know, so yeah, it was a distraction. Yeah, exactly. So now it's early February 1542 and Catherine is manic as hell. Like the staff at the Abbey are like one day she's bossing everyone around. The next day she's like insisting on getting dressed up and pretending like nothing happened. But most days, she just cries and cries and cries and cries. Poor fucking baby. On February 10th, a group of people arrive and they're like, we're going to take you by barge, which is boat, I think, through the River Thames. Mm. We're going to take you by barge to the Tower of London. And it gets very real for Catherine at this point. 
she is like, nope, I'm not going. I'm not fucking going. And they're like, you have to fucking go. You know, like, she... Uh, I know. She was just, like, heels uh, in the ground. I'm not fucking going. I don't blame the people that did this, because I'm sure they tried their fucking hardest to rationalize... Ra- rationalize? Is that... To talk to her uh, in a rational manner. <laughs> but eventually, they just had to pick her up and throw her in the boat. They had to manhandle her. They were like... Oh, my god! No one's in an ideal uh. situation. You know. So once in the tower, she's informed that she will be executed publicly three days later, along with her former friend, Jane Boleyn. And Catherine gives her last confession in which she said, I take God and his angels to be my witness that I am guiltless of the act of defiling the sovereign's bed. Okay, back then, they really believed if you lied in your last confession... If you went to your grave without telling the truth, that your afterlife is fucked. So, what do we think? Do you think her? I. What do you think her and Thomas Culpepper slept together after she married the king? Oh, I go back and forth I, so hard. I don't, I don't think so. I really don't. I think that it was an emotional affair. It was. I mean, yeah, it was definitely again, an affair. Saw, in that, like, I mean, if I found out that my husband was in love with somebody else, even if they've never slept together, I would still consider it an affair. So it was still an affair. But did he put his penis in her vagina? I don't think so. Because again, I think it's Catherine saw Anne Boleyn's story and was like, she didn't even do it. Why would I even put myself in that circumstance? I I just don't see her. But when you're young and in love... Uh, I know. I don't. I don't. Maybe. I, maybe. I kind of feel like because both of them went to their grave saying it never had. We never had sex with each other. And because Thomas Culpepper completely knowing that thinking about after the death of the king was still considered treason and admitted to that. I kind of feel like once he had already admitted that if they had actually slept together he would have admitted that as well. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, uh, is my opinion. <laughs> so the way I feel about yeah, this is... It's not a, <laughs> yeah, there's no pretty way out of this situation. No. This part really makes me want to cry. I'm going to try really hard not to. And hopefully I won't. But she asked for the block. She had a really random request. No, the jailers were like, I don't think anyone's ever asked for this before. She asked for the block that she would lay her head down on. And this is another thing that's different with Anne Boleyn. Anne Boleyn got a special execution because they called in for a uh, French swordsman, you know? The best executioner ever, yeah. And Anne Boleyn was her on the stage by herself. They're like, no, we're going to execute Catherine Howard at the same stage that we execute Jane Boleyn on. And no, we're just going to do a regular axe. So she calls for the block. And they bring it to her because she wants to practice exactly where to put her head. Because our baby girl, what's the most consistent thing about her, Nathan? She wants to look perfect in everybody's eyes. She wants to be the model of how things should be done. She has never once. Even though they're not done in the right way. In her entire life, she has never once publicly looked like a fool. And she didn't want to start now. At her, edu- at her execution. 
And oh, Nathan, I can't. I fucking can't. That is the that is the most tragic fucking thing. Where do you think Henry was in all of this? Like, where do where do you think her man is supposed to be? Oh, yeah, that's right. He's planning a party because it's Valentine's Day party. Yeah. February fourteenth was later that week, and he's gonna throw a huge it was the day after. party. The day. Oh, after. how disgusting! How fa- uh, I. Uh, I googled Henry VIII Valentine's Day party. This doesn't seem like something he did every year. His wife was executed on the 13th and he threw a party on the 14th. To me, that feels deliberate. At a party about yes. love, a Valentine's Day party. Uh, <clears throat> creepy, creepy. I am feeling mad. I'm feeling mad too. <laughs> so on February 13th, 1542. Catherine Howard and Jane Boleyn were brought to the scaffold. We don't know exactly what Catherine said because they usually let the person that's being executed give a speech. Have a last yeah, yeah. She almost fainted trying to climb the steps of the scaffolding. So relatable. People had to like help her up. Yeah, I know. And there's this awful rumor that <clears throat> not true. At her execution, she apparently said to the crowd. I die a queen when I'd rather die the wife of a Culpepper. No, no, that's just like, let them eat cake. No. Bullshit. She never said that. Because uh, also, you being chill about getting executed, you don't want to give the guy that's about to cut off your head a reason to botch it up. So if she said yeah. that, that would give people a, give them a reason to botch it up. So she didn't say that. But then she laid her head exactly where she had practiced. And <sighs> that is the end of the short life of Catherine Howard. Bless her heart. Fun fact, during the reign of Mary, the, her stepdaughter that hated her so much, Mary the first actually posthumously pardoned anybody that was executed without trial because so many Catholics were executed without trial during the reign of her father and her brother. So when she came, she was like, Let's let's pardon anybody that was executed without trial. So Mary unintentionally pardoned Catherine Howard. <laughs> and over the centuries, there have been debates over Catherine. Was she this dirty, slut-ass, bitch-ass whore? Or was she just a thousand percent a victim? I, it's somewhere in between. Yeah. It's way more Just like any real person, that. you have more layers than that. You're more complicated than that. Yeah. yeah. And as depressing as this was, I'm glad that we actually took the time and... We get to know her a little bit better. Yeah. Okay. So that's the end of our Catherine Howard series. I wish we had better news. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't. So cheers. <laughs> uh, we'll catch y'all next time. Cheers, bitches. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now.